everyone. Welcome to another Azure Centric podcast, our Azure weekly news. Uh, and first of all, thank you very much for everyone just sending the feedback. It's really great to see uh, this podcast series starting to grow and starting to leverage a lot of a lot of people, um, either to our uh, usually podcast channels on SoundCloud or even on the uh, YouTube channel. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. It's that's why we are here. And today with with like every single other podcast, I have my good friend, Andrew Lowe's. How are you, Andrew? I am very good. Thank you so much for having me back today, Marco. You're very welcome. We have a very big agenda today, right? Mm. So yes, yeah, we uh, we did incorporate a new feed uh, so that uh, we can make our podcast a little bit more complete for everybody. Exactly. And and a little bit more dispersed. So today we have about, if I'm not mistaken, 10 uh, new features. Um, I believe so, yes. 10 yeah. new features and not only features, but uh, basically news about, about Azure and into the Azure world, right? Um, mm -hmm. We run into some technical uh, difficulties last podcast. Uh, if you if you saw it, so I apologize in advance for that. Let's see if if we are not having any podcast, but it's just to realize that every single one fails. Uh, our one man show, or in this case two man show, it's very uh, rudimentary. Let's go this way. <laughs> Oh, very, oh, very open. We, we, no, we may understand Azure and uh, hybrid infrastructure fairly well. Yeah. But uh, uh, media sometimes is not our area of expertise. It's not. It's not. Uh, uh, we are learning every single podcast and every single video that we are recording. But I hope you guys enjoy. If you guys enjoy, just give a, a thumbs up. Uh, just, just subscribe our channel and and please just just share the the knowledge just share the, the the podcast among other friends and to see if how we going so let's dive into the first one okay first one we're talking about the azure site recovery one of my favorite fixtures of azure and one that i've been using for the most time to be very honest so now finally increase and this has become now available supports the increased disks that you have on azure vm on disaster recovery. So now the good news is we can replicate or we can protect uh, workloads on-prem up to 32 terabytes in size on the disk. So yeah. this means that even if you have 10 disks of 32 terabytes, you are able now to protect because this limit it's per disk. And this is this is a nice thing to have because I run into, especially on those file servers that mm -hmm. we want to protect and we don't want to implement other things like Azure files, files share or, or uh, the file sync or anything like that. And you just want to protect that to become available. Or even if we want to move as is from on-prem to the cloud, right? And I, exactly. I mentioned there's a lot of times that we had a lot of problems because usually, and, and you, I don't know if you agree with me, but usually in, in our projects, I when we talk about file servers, usually they are attached to a storage. And 
and those storage are way bigger than we have and it's very common that you have more than 32 terabytes on the disk right or at least that windows can see it right on a disk management but you are not able to do it you have to kind of starting to do a lot of pre-work before uh, mm -hmm. like attach uh, new volumes in uh, from the storage to the to the server even if it's a, a virtual server or a physical one doesn't matter uh, and start to reduce those and starting to migrate those those files or those shares into smaller disks so you are able to do it with this finally we got up to 32 terabytes um, pretty good yeah, announcement it's, yeah it's, it's going to make uh, synchronization from uh, other clouds or hybrid and on-prem it's going to make it much easier to get that data synchronized to azure yeah uh, it's also going to make you know region to region synchronization uh, much. Uh, I'm going to say less painful. Um, you know, a lot like you were saying. I remember you know we've had to do a lot of work around over the last few years, and uh, we've had to do you know some custom scripting, and you know uh, often we have to utilize different solutions, right? Yeah. And find a way just to get those uh, file shares into Azure, and then also usable within Azure, because now that we've changed the way that data is synchronized, it's a bit separated from the original file server. So, uh, you know, when we change things for our end users, it can be difficult. So if it's on premises, it looks one way with a file server, but in Azure, say through uh, Windows Virtual Desktop, it looks a different way, then it makes it harder for everybody to transition into uh, cloud. And especially with all of, uh, you know, working from somewhere else uh, going on, uh, kind of mandatory in many countries around the world right now, um, you know, we have to make sure that we keep things easy to understand for our end users. I think this goes a long ways to making it easy for us as administrators in the back end to do that. So I think it's a really awesome improvement. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. And, and, and the way that this is going, uh, and this just facilitates especially on my point of view, this, this announcement or this general variability of the announcement, because this already was in preview, but now it's available to everyone. So now we can put our production workloads into this, right? Um, it's easier to just migrate without doing all of those pre-work, right? All of those pre-steps works, like you mentioned a few seconds ago. Um, to just be able to almost like automatically to a branch or to have a range of almost every single uh, workload that we can uh, at least starting to replicate to the cloud or even or even not doing that, but it's at least to protect in this case with Azure, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So moving to the to the next one, and I apologize if we are sound like we are rushing but we have 10 topics and usually <laughs> we me and andrew we have something that we that we need to say to our audience is we like to talk i don't know if you already <laughs> saw that i think from the other podcasts but we tend to um going on 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 the path that it's not only the news it's our own opinion and this basically it's, it's a dialogue it's a conversation right 
And that's, exactly. and that's, I think, the part that I like about doing these podcasts. Second news well, I, that... I always refer to my time when we're doing this uh, to my, my family at home is it's going to be about IT 15 minutes. So that ranges anywhere from 15 to 90 minutes in reality. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's our old uh, uh, clock, IT clock. Exactly. Sometimes it speeds up, sometimes it doesn't. It does. You never know, right? <laughs> so many variables. Okay, let's go jump to the second uh, announcement. Uh, again, now it's GA for Azure Shared Image Gallery. Um, new features are now available um, and this has been already talked about it uh, especially I think a few podcasts back um, I highly recommend you to just visit that uh, that when we talk about especially the I think it was last one that we talk about the Linux um, especially the Linux licensing for the Red Hat uh, and SUSE um, that now we can have the share image gallery. So this is a huge thing, especially for those organizations that they have a lot of Linux or even they have that way to deploy their gold image, right? So this exactly. Azure shared image um, is again, is within your tenant, okay? It's nothing goes beyond that. It's not like I'm uploading my shared image and now for example any other company will use my use mine no that is what's called the azure marketplace i just want to refer to that so we are totally clear this is inside of our organization this yeah, is that's a good point yeah so when when uh, when an organization uploads a custom image to their shared image gallery it is only that organization's image. Exactly. Like you said, inside the single tenant. Yeah. Very important to uh, note the difference to Marketplace where uh, if you publish something to Marketplace, uh, then it is available uh, kind of out in the big wide world. So outside your own tenant as well. Yeah. And even, even the way that you're doing Marketplace and share image, they are totally different. Yeah. Okay. So Microsoft, it's not responsible in a certain way by your images. They just create a gallery that you can upload your images. The marketplace is a totally different monster. So you have to submit to the Azure team and then they will evaluate that and they will approve and then they will make that available into the marketplace because there are licensing incorporating into that there are pricing that they need to do it depending on if you are deploying that image or not and so on and so forth, right? So it's a totally different mindset. This is, again, is your image. You have to own, in this case, the licensing. You have to own everything and it's up to you to just maintain that image. So the other ones, it's maintained by either the vendor or Microsoft. Um, so. I think it's good to clarify that part, but you have different options. You can create a, a, an image from capturing a VM in this case. You can create an image from a disk, uh, as you can see on, on the screen. You can copy versions, and that's the part that I like about that is of other uh, shared images across. This is the part that you can do by selecting another shared image on the gallery. 
as a source and doing a deviation from there, for example. So this is good, for example, if you want to create a SQL cluster. You don't need to maintain, for example, the Windows, let's say the Windows Server, um, and then you need to create another shared image that was happening in the past that you already have uh, the SQL, for example, install it. Because now every time that comes an update, you need to update the two image. This case, you can starting to what I call nested in this case images. So you have the image, right? And the other one. So it's an improvement of the process, right, Andrew? Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to make it more efficient. Yeah. And, um, you know, with the I, I, I think I probably learned a, a little bit about the imaging from you. Uh, so I too use the nested, <laughs> the nested technique. Yeah. And uh, really, it means you can have less images and smaller images the further kind of down the tree you go. So it makes it faster and easier to maintain, faster, easier to upload, and all of those things. Very important because, uh, you know, if we save half an hour here and half an hour there, uh, it means I can make an extra coffee at lunch. Or they can listen <laughs> or they can listen our podcast because it's, it's about Absolutely. an hour. <laughs> it frees up some time for learning, and that's very important. Yeah. Uh, that's you know, part of why we do uh, these kinds of things. So exactly. uh, we too learn the new knowledge and then we can help share it within exactly. the community. Really important. That is the shameless plug to our podcast, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't intended as such. It was more of just a rambling. Thought. Exactly. It wasn't. It was not. It was not. As I think everyone that listened to us right now, they see that we are very, very natural. We don't hide anything. And it's, it's really, really natural. So let's exactly. move to the other one. This yeah, one. Absolutely. So we have uh, Cloud Shell. Uh, oh, my. Image has been updated, right? Yeah, finally. With what? I got it in order. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. In, <laughs> with what? It's been updated with what? What's that? It's been updated with what? So it's now been updated with uh, Ubuntu 16.04. Yeah. And uh, we now have a new base image uh, based on Debian 10. So uh, while uh, you know they, they talk in the article a little bit, it's not a standalone uh, distribution. So it does follow the Debian 10 uh, release schedule very closely. And uh, for me, this is really important because actually in a lot of my deployments, a lot of the uh, things that I'm building out, especially uh, customer demos and different uh, customer experience things, uh, I rely very heavily on Debian <laughs> images. Um, deployed through uh, Azure CLI in Cloud Shell. Yeah. And uh, for me, this is a big deal. It's going to make my life a little bit easier because now everything is unified a little bit better again. So it's these incremental uh, minor improvements that really make the usability and uh, the standardization of images across all uh, things within the Azure platform, right? So marketplace my own images if it's custom kind of reaching back to the last update a little bit there but uh for me it's quite relevant yeah. because now it's unified within cloud shell as well so uh usability uh unification and really um i live out of command line whenever possible because uh well i'm i'm just that way i just like the command line uh, i feel like i have a little bit more control i can add uh flags and uh notes and things a little bit easier versus the graphical way yeah um yeah. but uh that's that's just me that's my preference and with uh, this update they update as well the powershell with 7.1 yeah 
Yeah. And um, that's for me, it's, it's something that we mentioned last, last episode of the, of the podcast that they update the PowerShell and then they need to update as well the Azure Cloud Shell. And here it is. Uh, yeah, I think exactly. Microsoft is listening to us, which is very good as well. Thank you, Microsoft, because the next podcast, they update the Azure Cloud Shell. And it's, we're starting to see that uh, a lot of times, right? Now, now, now joking aside, but we're starting to see a lot of that uh, side. This Cloud Shell is a, is a huge improvement because like you said, they are not doing any more Ubuntu and they are going close to, De to Debian 10 which is good. It's a lot of improvement, although they update as well the tools. So it's not only PowerShell, it's Python and Ruby. So for me, that, exactly. that I did migrate recently, my, my um, blog, in this case, the AzureCentric.com, as you probably already know, from um, WordPress to Jekyll using Ruby, uh, for me was, it's awesome. So now I can do a lot of this uh, inside of Azure Shell, if I need to do that, uh, it's pretty, pretty cool, pretty cool to doing that, right? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, very important that uh, all of the updates are unified, and uh, I am going to do a bit of a shameless plug for AzureTracks.com. Yes. Uh, if you need to do uh, a bit of an update for your PowerShell across many platforms, many systems uh, within your ecosystem. Uh, I'm going to say check it out. I did publish an article, I think, earlier this week or late last week about uh, updating to the current version of PowerShell, and it is version agnostic. So um, I actually have uh, the code laid out. Uh, it'll update uh, PowerShell to the current version, which I think is 7.1, maybe 7.2. I'm not sure if that hit general release or not. And then uh, it updates your installed modules as well. Um, very important, make sure uh, you're updating things like PS Readline and, um, you know, I use uh, quite extensively DBA tools as well. A uh, huge time saver, good plug for them as well. Awesome, awesome plugin uh, for uh, Powershell. Uh, saves hours and hours. Yes. Um, and it's, but a, anyways, it's not the shameless, it's a nice, uh, it's a very nice blog. Uh, I, I, I follow that as well. And I'm really happy to see the progress of the blog. And another one, it's, it's really good. You should, should check it out. Um, the Azure tracks, right? Uh, it's a nice one. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, well. I know we both put a lot of work <laughs> into uh, getting everything uh, working together here. Yeah. And uh, I think it's fantastic. It is. It is. Moving on to the next one. This is a very nice cool feature. Um, they, they announce now that we can see the guest alt right inside of virtual machine on Azure monitor. So it's not only seeing if the virtual machine is good, bad, but now we can see what is going inside of that, um, of that through the Azure monitor. We don't need to install as another one, um, as another uh, agent in this case inside of the VM and, and basically uh, see that as another server, uh, right? Um, exactly, yeah. So it'll, it allows us to see nested um, guest health. Yeah. 
and uh, they actually they've made it very simple. Um, I love the the graphic, the little screenshot that you are displaying uh, for our listeners slash viewers. Um, one of the things they talk about in the article is that health tree that you see, and it makes it really easy to see at a glance and then dig down using that graphical uh, tree structure. So I'm a, I'm a big at a glance guy. You know my deep love for dashboards with stoplight colors. <laughs> <laughs> Green is good. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but uh, this is one of those ones. You know, uh, it's a it's a simple monitor, and it requires you know uh, very little to no overhead. Um, so it's out of the box uh, health monitors, out of the box alerts to notify if the virtual machine becomes unhealthy. Um, so really, it's a basic tool, uh, not digging too deep. We're looking at things like a state of CPU, disk, and memory. Um, of course, you can configure more custom yeah. things, I'm sure. And uh, as, as, the, as the product advances and grows within Azure, uh, we'll expect much more yeah. um, within that ecosystem for sure. But for now, uh, I was super impressed where uh, they mention in the article, guess what? It's free. Surprise, Azure monitoring, right? Yeah. Um, so the only thing that we have to pay for is the log analytics storage. Um, but I did note there's a few things I did want to mention about restrictions. So uh, your VM has to be located. Before you go into that, I just want to point it out something that you you're going, sorry to cut you off, but I think one of the interesting points, I was hoping that you were covering this, just to see to our list that we are not in sync. We just basically do this five minutes before uh, and that's it. One of the things that I like about this and you can see on the screen is, if you see the look and feel of that virtual machine and starting to see the Azure monitor inside the virtual machine, it's starting to be really close to another tool that we present over here that is the uh, Windows Admin Center. Uh, yeah. Really similar. You have the on the sides, uh, you have all the objects. In this case, is inside of the monitoring the tool, right? But you have all the sides, the logs, and everything else. And then when you go into virtual machines, you're starting to see a little bit of more what you're starting to see on uh, Windows Admin Center. And then of course comes the L3 that, that you are talking about with these colorful uh, things. I just want to, to, to make that attention because just to see that the graphic interface, if you are still using the server manager or any other tool, um, if you're starting to use Azure Monitor, and in this case, Windows Admin Center for your servers or whatever it is, you start to see some some UI uh, similarity, if that exists, that word, um, or seamless in this case, to be able to work all on these tools. I agree. Yeah. So that's actually a really good point. And uh, maybe it's worth a bit of a, a call out here as well that, you know, if we have some listeners that are uh, still holding on to server manager, um, you know, maybe it's a good opportunity to go and explore Windows Admin Center. Um, there's been a lot of growth with that product. And uh, one of the things I think that Microsoft has done very well, uh, in my opinion, uh, kind of traditionally, 
has been sharing their code bases between uh, products. And uh, you'll see unified looks, unified behaviors. And especially for administration, uh, I feel quite strongly that that's very important. Uh, because when you see it in Windows Admin Center and you see similar things to click on the same format in, uh, say, Azure Monitor in this case, um, what happens, at least for me, is I'm able to read and view and process that information much faster yeah. over time. So we can spend less time looking for things and we just kind of inherently understand how to navigate where to find things in those interfaces. So. Enough said about that, but yes, I did want to note with uh, a little bit of region restriction for uh, VM and log analytics hosting with this product. So the VM has to be located in certain regions. And I wanted to note, uh, since you know we are kind of living and working mainly in Canada, Canada East and Canada Central are not on the VM hosting list. So be sure to check out that blog post and understand what the limitations are. And as this expands, I'm sure it's going to be available in more regions um, as the time uh, as time goes on. Yeah. But your log analytics hosting is pretty restricted. So uh, basically, it's North America and uh, Europe <laughs> and <laughs> where you can store other it. things that that as 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 restriction is if you have um virtual uh, machine scale sets or if you are starting to use azure arc it's not supported yet right exactly uh, again exactly. and this yet part is um it's not because i'm mvp that i know and I, I don't want to tell you it's because i don't know i really don't know and i'm assuming that they're gonna expand this because to expand this like like you you mentioned andrew it's directly attached to log analytics and log analytics is the way that you are getting all of those logs into one place and that's the part that you don't want to have some kind of uh, restrictions on that area so i'm assuming again or we are assuming that they will update the part of log analytics so they can leverage these features move on and the os is right so it's only supports yeah. ubuntu um, and Ubuntu 16.04 and 18.04, uh, the LTS, and Windows yeah. Server 2012 or later. Uh, yeah, yeah, 2012 and up for Windows Server, yeah. The thing is, mentioned here is with all the growth, and this is the part that when I read this, uh, this article, I didn't see it, is they didn't mention Windows 10. And with all the things that is going forward, that is the part that surprised me the most. Because with this, within this pandemic, I see a lot of VDI growth. And we want oh, yeah. to see if the VMs are good or not. Even for, for growing uh, those VMs inside of, for example, the VDIs, or if they have any type of other type of VMs, uh, especially the VMs that they are assigned, dedicated to a user, um, that they only have one user and usually everyone. Uh, I would love to see these as well plugged to Windows 10. So again, if Microsoft yeah, is listening, really cool. please uh, make that happen uh, because that's going to be very, very nice. Even if it's the pay version, 
uh, I don't care about that. In this case, it's it's nice to have that insight besides deploying another agent, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would uh, I would love to build a demo together with you if uh, if we can uh, get some WVD uh, drill down for uh, guest host for sure statuses. It would it would be fantastic to be able to see. So Windows 10 virtual desktop big cluster. You can actually uh, aggregate all of your uh, individual uh, health monitors for each desktop down into one status. Uh, yep, I smell a nice Power BI dashboard right there. That's for sure. <laughs> I smell a nice demo. I smell like uh, uh, last last time I did this with a good friend of mine is we demonstrate with all at that time with all the different ways that you can um, deploy a VM and deploying a VM that for us takes seconds, probably a minute. Uh, explaining all the different options that you have inside of if you're going the next, not doing the next, next finish, right? But if you're going on all the things to just know what you had, it was about two hours. I was surprised because I was talking and talking and talking and talking just to demonstrate every single object you have to create a VM. It was not now, it was like a, a year ago and it took mm -hmm. us two hours from starting the VM to finish the VM and see the VM up and running. Um, Amazing. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of, uh, I'm going to say a lot, many, many different ways yes. to accomplish building your VM infrastructure. And certainly I think there might even be a couple more now over last year. Oh yeah. But, uh, I think, uh, you know, it's, it, you're right. So, you know, when we talk about building demos and we get, uh, kind of hands on, that's the space that we uh, really uh, love living in. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's move to another one. Um, and this is a, a, a nice one. We cannot um, miss this one. That is the Azure portal. Uh, one of my uh, favorite browsers or favorite tabs that I have, it's the portal. And this is to just show that even the small things that they are probably using, what I happened to me a lot of time. I'm at the customer. Um, they expect me to be an expert on Azure. Um, I'm, a, I'm just a subject matter expert on that field. But then a lot of times I, will, I had a, a demo prepared, everything else. And in the middle of the day, they change in the middle of the night. They change the, the, the UI. <laughs> uh, it's not the first time. It's going to be not going to be the last time. And this exactly. is just to give you that feel. So uh, to all my customers that they are listening to this podcast, this is the reason why. They are updating constantly the Azure portal. In this case, Absolutely. what was that they, that they did, um, Andrew? Ah, yes. Yeah, so... Uh, really, it looks like it's a tiny little update, but uh, this one actually packs a huge punch. So uh, I first noticed they were rolling out filter pills when I was doing a little bit of work with uh, Azure Resource Mover. And uh, maybe a couple, uh, two or three weeks ago, I saw it in the, uh, the GA, in the portal. And uh, now, of course, it's widely available across many, many blades, if not all. So it's really the modern view. And for those of you who don't know what the heck a filter pill is, 
it's really, it's a filter. So the same as if you're in Excel and you add a filter to a column or a row, uh, really, uh, this is what we're talking about. It is shaped like a little oblong pill. So it looks like you're taking a vitamin. And uh, I guess, you know, you can filter out uh, the Flintstones or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe show my age a little bit there. Everybody in my house grew up on Flintstones pills. That's okay. But really, it makes it's visually uh, attractive, yeah. and it's easier to see what filters you have applied in your current view. It also makes it easier to uh, change them and remove them. And well, really, that's all there is to it. It makes it more usable. Yeah. Awesome. Moving to the next one. Next Very one good. is is to talk about the uh, hybrid multi-cloud strategy for financial service organization. This is the area that uh, I'm really interested because this is the area that I see a lot of adoption right now, especially uh-huh. on the multi-cloud way to just do it because of all the the financial service that they need to accomplish and to comply and, and to, to do the performance. And they really demand on this. Um, and now it's the way that they can do it is on a multi-cloud. So if you see, it's a quite of a big uh, article um by the the product uh, uh, marketing team manager and basically unifies the a lot of things the strategies that hybrid cloud includes so unify the consistent approach on the infrastructure manager that is the area that we are uh, directly involved so deploying consistently and manage across um on-premise multi-cloud, edge. So there is a lot of things about this that he's talking about on this article to not going too much further. But as you can see on the screen, and I apologize for our listeners at, at, at SoundCloud or that they are only listen this, but if you follow us on, or if you're going to the YouTube channel, you will see this, that there is a, a, a image showing the Azure for financial service and is what's called the operate hybrid seamlessly. So you have either doesn't matter where you have bringing your Azure services. This is directly the plug using the Azure Arc. So even if you are on AWS, even if you are on-prem, or even if you are on the Google Cloud, uh, doesn't matter, you can deploy the Azure service there. So that's the benefits. And that's the plug that I see, especially in using the Kubernetes service, right? Absolutely, yeah. So they talk a lot about the consistency of everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I got from the article was kind of, uh, you know, three main things. First, I want to mention this is about emphasizing the shift from capital expenses to operational expenses. So CapEx to OpEx. And that's really what a lot of Azure services are about. So oper- uh, blah, my word, operal, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Changing it to, to operational expenses. That's why I, I always say, keep it simple. Technical, I'm not an accountant. <laughs> all, all of those big words, I don't even say it because, yeah, I, I will enroll Oper- myself operal uh, operationalizing there we go operationalizing oh, expenses good oh job my, my friend <laughs> oh. 
It's either too early or too late. I can't. But uh, once we have that down to a monthly recurring expense, uh, much better for the organization, easier to manage yeah. from an accounting perspective, uh, a lot of benefits just in the financial management part of it. So it's really appealing to financial organizations. They're very focused yeah. on those things. Uh, also, uh, the big focus from Microsoft in this article was about speed to market. So moving items from development to preview to general availability. And we've definitely seen an increase in the speed that that happens. Um, it's actually pretty darn impressive because we'll hear about something that's in development on the Azure updates, uh, Azure blog. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, the next week we see it uh, in preview. And then maybe two weeks later, we see it moving into GA. Yeah. So uh, very impressive speed uh, from uh, product development and, and out to the public uh, kind of a standpoint. The other thing I really loved about this is it, uh, the, you know, she talks about integrating the use of multiple technologies. So it's about building custom solutions for each organization as they move down their cloud and hybrid journeys. So. Uh, they talk about Azure Stack, Azure IoT, and Azure Arc, kind of using the product stack within Azure to bridge the gaps for management, making it seamless, uh, using technologies like Kubernetes, uh, you know, resource manager, things to make uh, your deployments and your reporting more consistent. Yeah. So consistency is really key to stability in the finance industry. Um, uh, so my, my older brother definitely uh, would be happy to hear that. I got that one right. <laughs> but I really, I really, you know, as you know, we're, we're both really big fans of Azure Arc. And um, that's just such a huge step to managing multi-cloud. And from an operational uh, uh, kind of a standpoint, the IT teams can now look in Azure Arc to handle, uh, you know, AWS, Google Cloud resources, on-premises resources, and certainly Azure resources, all in one spot. I, I totally agree. And I see this on the evolution, for example, of uh, what we saw on regarding this multi-cloud, that is the, um, the incoming of, for example, Terraform, into display. So Terraform mm -hmm. was a big, uh, a, a big change on this multi-cloud because it's a simple language that by changing a little bit, not much, you can deploy those resources, right? Into a uh, different cloud. So for example, I use a lot Ter Terraform, uh, either for AWS, for example, or Azure, depending on what they want to achieve that, right? And be able to do that. But the thing, the interesting is Kubernetes is Kubernetes, but deploying on Azure and deploying on, um, on AWS, they are Kubernetes, but they are different. Um, the way that you deploy it's different. The way that you manage is different. Uh, although they are the same technology uh, behind it. So using these Azure Arc, and I think this was if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it was last year, during the last year Ignite, they announced Azure Arc. And we saw the evolution of Azure Arc is basically to create that abstraction layer 
on top of the cloud. So no matter where you have, you can leverage the compute power of other uh, providers, Azure providers, or even on-prem, because uh, I see a lot of organizations that they are doing all of these developing, especially on the container world with, with Kubernetes on-prem. They have a couple of servers there, they're doing all of this, and then they starting to have a lot of difficulties when you're moving that to either a test close to production, in this case, that's called a, a, a quality test, a UAT test, whatever it is that you want to call it, but on, for example, on a cloud provider. And then they're starting to have a lot of issues, what they've been deploying, what they've been developed, because it's not leveraging all the cloud potential. Azure Arc starts to eliminate that by leveraging, like you said, the Azure Stack. And the Azure Stack over here, it's not like the old Azure Stack that we're talking about regarding a full um, Azure that you can bring the Azure world into in your prem that is a full rack. Mm -hmm. It's basically the Azure Stack of all the applications, everything that you have available that Azure Arc enables you to do it. And they even go to IoT. Uh, you can even have bring that because Azure Arc, you can manage that part as well. You can bring that into the financial service. And if you think about this, IoT on a financial service, I see that on a lot of those smart things that you can have, like even on, on your phone or whatever, whatever it is that you can leverage that, um, a lot of IOTs just to see the financial or just to see how I'm really looking forward to this now that I've been working a little bit more with financial services regarding Kubernetes and all of that. It's, it's something that I, I've, I, I'm glad that they are uh, moving forward with this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, gonna, it's going to uh, allow the finance industry to uh, just kind of move forwards a little bit more rapidly. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, it, I, th I think it's of not it only like rapidly, sorry to interrupt, but it's more consistently as well. Exactly. I think the exactly. word over here is having the flexibility and the consistent way because Kubernetes, it's awesome. It's really awesome. But I see a lot of organizations, especially on the financial service as well, because it's awesome to deploy. It's very, um, it's on the paper, it's, it's really looking one of the best solutions for financial service. But what I see as well is the difficulty of managing those, managing the pods, managing the containers, managing the nodes, managing all of that thing that you need to do it. The, the yeah. geodispersed cluster, depending on where you're doing, it's a lot of things to manage. Even the, the design of the network or the subscription, it's totally different because I starting to see a lot of uh, deployment of Kubernetes reaching a lot of times um, the limits of, of the regions or even the subscriptions, right? And the way that you're deploying this, it's totally different. That's why it's so important, the multi-cloud, right? But again, uh, we already spent too much time on this and we have a lot of other things to do it. I apologize, but if you want to talk about this, just send us an email for me and or a tweet for me and Andrew. We will able to just doing. You never know a podcast about financial service. That's a very good idea. 
Another that's not, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, it's a very it's a growth area uh, for uh, hybrid and for cloud computing. Yeah, and um, it's an important thing for the whole industry to uh, to stay flexible that way. Yeah, but like you said, enough on that. Exactly. Let's talk about something uh, that matters to all of us. Let's talk about environmental responsibility. Yeah. So uh, the reason I say it's important for all of us is because we all breathe air and we all drink water and water yes <laughs> it, it matters right so microsoft made a big commitment uh earlier this year and they said they're going to be 100 percent renewable by uh 2025 yeah. i think it was right yeah um that's a big deal microsoft has a lot of physical uh assets and resources data centers not the least of which massive power uh i don't know what would you call that power consumers yeah yeah <laughs> like they just eat electricity but it's also about cooling um, you know, data, those data lines also require electricity to uh, move the data in one way or another, whether it's fiber optics or electric pulses. Uh, it has to be powered one way or another. Yep. So uh, we, as the Microsoft community, chew up an awful lot of power. So this is something that's important for all of us. So uh, now Sweden They've announced that Sweden is going to uh, achieve 100% renewable energy, yeah? Yeah. It's the first one, like you said. By 2025, they want to be what they call the carbon zero footprint. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the big words. Um, and that's where uh, they want to be all the, all the, the operations uh, to doing that. We see a lot of the big companies. Apple was leading this. Uh, in this case, I think the new headquarters in Silicon Valley, not, not Silicon Valley, in, in yeah, Silicon Valley was 100% renewable energy. Um, and now uh, Microsoft says that they want to do this. And it's really interesting because a few podcasts back, we talk about the, the subwater, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The underwater data center that they leverage way less Failures, hardware failures. I think it was eight times less than a normal one. Yeah, it was quite significant, right? And they save a lot of a lot of power because the cooling part of it was not uh, taking place uh, because it was underwater in Scotland. And now we see the first data center in Sweden uh, that is totally a hundred percent with renewable energy. Uh, yeah, it's pretty I mean, awesome. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, th I thought it was actually really cool as well how they're kind of making it uh, transparent yeah. for, you know, as normal people to kind of see what they're doing. So they're using uh, Azure IoT Central for the monitoring and collecting of data, and they're using Power BI to present that data uh, and, you know, report on it back uh, out to the big wide world. Um, you know, so, you know, you can imagine, I'm sure behind the scenes, they have a little bit more intricacy to it as is often the case, Yeah. but, uh, they, you know, they're, they're using Azure technologies, Microsoft, uh, technologies to make themselves yeah. more efficient. So I think it was really leading by example. They are, uh, super, super cool. And it's not um, only it technology, it's, it's, it's about all of this sustainability of the planet and everything else, right? Exactly, yes. I know I, for you and I, it's very important. It is. We love being outdoors and we love taking our families and our friends outside. 
And certainly I love to sit on the patio with you and have a cold adult beverage on a warm summer day. Um, <laughs> and I look forward to that in the spring. Yes, me <laughs> That's too. That's for sure. And talking about But, power, let's move on to one, another one that is IOPS. Every, the favorite word of every single person, at least for us <laughs> geeks, right? IOPS. More is more better. <laughs> exactly. More IOPS is what we want. How many IOPS to achieve? How many days? And just kidding. But this is uh, uplift free. So what it yeah. means that we have more IOPS with no additional cost on the premium tier of Azure Files. Absolutely. 400 uh, baseline IOPS, no charge on the premium tier, right? So now you no have no extra four... charge. So you no are still charge. charging for the premium tier at the same yes. price that you had before. Yeah, we, I just we, want we to clarify that be, part. <laughs> yeah, we should simplify that. So uh, I will say the same thing a different way again. Yes, you must pay for Azure Files premium tier. It is not a free product. Exactly. However, this increase, the uplift of uh, up to 4,000 IOPS bursting on 100 gigs inside the premium tier that you already pay for now, this uplift is free. Yeah. So now uh, your paid product, you're getting more for no increased charge. Yeah. That's the word I was waiting to find, exactly. increased charges, yeah. no increased charges. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, despite all of that, here we are. Uh, you know, Microsoft is improving uh, disks better, faster, more of them. And uh, they're passing these improvements down the line within the products and fantastic. It and is. I, as you know, I am a big fan of Azure Files and uh, I was using it earlier this week and I did find it is a little faster. Yeah. I found that as well because from my lab that I have at my house, I use Azure, Azure Files and Azure File Sync as well and, and, and everything to just replicate everything to the cloud. It's where I, I usually work on everything that I have consumed at my house. I, I, I do not, uh, especially the photos of my kids and my own photos and all of these videos uh, that, that we produce, it's been replicated around the world. So. Only if there is a huge disaster in this planet that I will lose, but then we'll have no one to just watch it or seeing the file. So I'm okay. With that, that would be a bummer. You're right. It's, But yeah, so Azure Files makes it easy to do uh, lots of replication. Yeah. And certainly uh, I actually use it in a similar way. I, uh, I offload a lot of my local content, which uh, in my house is quite often uh, photos or uh, videos. Um, uh, as you know, uh, I like to take pictures. I'm not great at it, but I take lots of them. <laughs> but uh, I would I would be very sad yeah. if uh, I lost uh, photos of you know the kids, uh, the dogs, those kinds of things. Um, you know, they mean a lot to uh, us, and uh, it's important to protect those things, yeah, right? Exactly. So uh, Azure Files is an easy and a low cost way for me to do that in my own personal data. Um, Yeah. But yes, enough selling of the product. Exactly. Uh, it's faster. It's easy to use. What's up next? What's up next is one of the things that I really want to see this sooner, but it's coming. That is export and managing Azure policies as a code with GitHub. So mm -hmm. this is one of the things that infrastructure as a code was missing, right? 
about to export that to go to a code to kind of using the DevOps DevOps tools to basically doing a CI/CD methodology on Azure policies instead of let me download everything, change it, moving back uh, or overwrite. So now we can have versioning instead of having versioning on my side, I can have a lot of this and it's going to be easy to deploy central repository. It's basically, I don't need to sell anyone the GitHub, what GitHub does, right? Um, exactly. But this yeah. is now you are able to export and managing the Azure policies as a code. And this is really important for me. Uh, in this case, it, it will uh, help me, uh, help me helping others faster on the more consistent way and on the way that CI, CI CD is going to help a lot, a lot of organizations. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, moving it away from storing on prem, keeping it on your, your laptop or something you had to download, uh, Azure policies in the past and then edit and move them back. Uh, now, like you said, it becomes more of that, uh, kind of CI CD pipeline idea where it's in GitHub. So now, uh, if I lose my laptop, for example, and I was working on edits, no, uh, you know, beyond the obvious tears that I'll cry because I lost my surface. I will. <laughs> and your wife will lost a few thousand dollars, but that's okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, Microsoft, if you're listening, a free plug for Surface tablets uh, right here. Marcos and I would be very happy I to help I think I'm going to change the podcast of uh, the title of podcast to the Shameless Podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we should just make a special edition where we just plug all the little doodads. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah, so uh, moving, yeah, moving the policy into GitHub, a uh, really good thing and makes it easier. I love stuff where, uh, as you know, like the my whole love of Cloud Shell is that I can bring all these different resources together yeah. um, and not be tied to a physical location with everything. Yeah. So uh, I really like the cloud storage. I really like GitHub and making it uh, into a continuous improvement model. Well, uh, yeah, everybody wins. So exactly. a lot of news this week. Yeah. yeah. Last one. Talking about templates is something that we always love. Is talking about the ARM templates support now for Azure File Share Backup. So mm -hmm. that's another thing. So now uh, I love this part of templates because we can create, we can develop these awesome templates that usually by templates, we mean that we can reuse this. And if we implement this, um, all of the times that we're doing this is going to be easy to replicate that work. Um, and with less human error, with everything, we just need to adjust the template for uh, what is the, 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 the occasion in this case. And another uh, way to do this is with Azure File Share Backup. Um, now it's been available on R, so you can have JSON files to just specify what is the vault, what is the backup policy, uh, everything detail on a JSON file is going to be simpler to doing this. And again, like you mentioned, through the Azure portal, Azure PowerShell and Azure CLI. So it's exactly. really important, this part. Yeah. 
And as you deploy this across a full organization, uh, again, because we can now template this, it becomes consistent, consistent with less human error, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that was for today. The, I think it was one of the longest podcasts. And uh, I think everyone enjoyed. I love to do this and I'm sure that you do as well. Uh, right, Andrew? We had a lot oh, of absolutely laugh. absolutely love it. It's, yeah. our, it's our highest point of the week is to just share all of this. And we are messaging back, say, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about that. And now we have about this. But then I say, but um, Andrew, we only have like 45 or 50 minutes to talk about it. So we cannot talk about the everything in the world. Um, we love to, <laughs> but uh, we couldn't do this. So once again, thank you, Andrew, for, for being part of this journey as the Azure Centric Podcasts. We really appreciate uh, all your efforts. Uh, to put around these podcasts. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, again, uh, help us grow on the uh, on the community to share the knowledge. If you like what you listen or what you sing and listen on the YouTube channel, give a thumbs up uh, to see if you, if you like or not. Just mention anything on the comments if you don't like or if you like or if you don't like my shirt or like better the Andrew shirt. Um, doesn't matter. Just give you feedback. It's what we want. Uh, there is no uh, bad feedback. Feedback can always be constructive, um, at least in my perspective. Um, and thank you very much for another Azure Center podcast with the Azure Weekly News. Right? Absolutely. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Okay. Thank you.